When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a lot to get to. Of course, the um, we'll recap the Marquette contest for the Wisconsin basketball team. We'll talk about some news in the front. We'll talk about Wisconsin's bowl placement, the Las Vegas Bowl, to take on Arizona State. We'll get into everything from that. And then in the back of the show, we've teased it a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about some coaching changes that may need to take place at the University of Wisconsin for the football team. If you've been paying any attention to college football right now, you have seen probably the wildest coaching carousel in quite some time, maybe ever, with all these changes and moving around. And guys, you know, Mario Cristobal on uh, Zoom calls talking about Oregon when he's working out a deal to become Miami's coach. It's just been an absolutely insane few weeks for the coaching carousel. And thankfully for Wisconsin, it's been pretty stable and will hopefully keep that way. But I think there are some tinkerings that may uh, may end up needing to be happening um, once the dust kind of settles on some of this upper-level craziness um, across the sport. So we'll get into that in the back portion of the show. should be a fun and full episode to get you guys started this week. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, I, I think this coaching carousel is really going to shake things up for, for teams across the country. The Badgers will probably um, see some, some movement, I would assume, as well. But, man, it has been crazy. Uh, uh, but a really good weekend overall for Wisconsin sports when you look back at the volleyball team's performance as well as basketball. So I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm excited to to get into what seems like uh, or what was a, a very busy uh, weekend for across all sports. So we'll start with some news and uh, kind of hit on a few different ones here. Um, we'll start with the Arizona Bowl with Wisconsin, um, of course, being announced. Uh, sorry, Arizona Bowl. Las Vegas Bowl to take on Arizona State. Um, that should be an interesting matchup. I know two teams that probably had higher expectations um, coming into the season. Arizona State was very highly ranked, looked like a very talented team on paper, kind of faltered to expectations. Similar story for Wisconsin, but should be an intriguing matchup there on December 30th. Matt, what did you make of and what did you take away? Because I think this one, this result, I think was kind of a surprise. I know there were some late projections for them to end up there, but along for Weeks that seemed like it was going to be a Florida Bowl, whether it be uh, the Outback Bowl or one of the others, it seemed like that was the destination. And then all of a sudden, um, going to Vegas, which Wisconsin's recently had pretty uh, had some success on the basketball side in Vegas, so should be uh, hopefully some good luck carrying over there. But what did you make of the Badgers pulling that matchup? Yeah, I mean, you look at the the matchup, and it's two fairly good teams. I think, like you said, kind of teams that probably. Eat played down to what you thought from pre- preseason expectations. Uh, um, it's it's going to be a, a battle. I think it's 
it's a fun place to be. Like you saw that it was really good for the Maui Invitational. Um, I don't know how many fans, if you went there, I don't know if you're going to want to go back, but I do think it's a different bowl destination for Wisconsin fans. Really cool stadium at the um, new Las Vegas Raiders stadium at Allegiant. Um, but but I, I just think the, the whole element with uh, 2013, that Neil Pac-12 rest, like all of that I think is by far the most – um, interesting aspect of the game, I guess you could say. So uh, I think this is one where you'd probably rather have the Outback Bowl, um, but at the same time, I think Las Vegas Bowl is, is going to be what it's going to be, and hopefully they can end up with a W like they did last year with the Mayo Bowl. Yeah, there's certainly worse places you have to end up and travel to than Las Vegas if you're fans. Hopefully people can enjoy it. I know, like you said, yeah, you, you certainly want one of those Florida Bowls. The New Year's Day Bowls are always, um, you know, a spot where you want to get to, um, but this will be something different. Um, it's certainly one something that I don't think a lot of people expected, but uh, sort of a different matchup. I was possibly excited to see, you know, the take on. It's always fun when the Big Ten team and an SEC team take on each other. I know the Pac-12 and Big Ten, unless you're playing in that Rose Bowl game, it maybe doesn't carry as much weight, but you still want to come out and, and put together your best effort in uh, this contest. So we'll we'll certainly have a ton of uh, bowl coverage as we get closer. Uh, still 24 days away from that one kicking off, so we'll have uh, plenty of time to dive into it um, on a more matchup scale. But uh, overall, you know, it is what it is. That you, if you want to be in a, in a higher tier bowl, you got to win more games. And right now, I think Wisconsin is just going to be happy with wherever they ended up, and hopefully, they can put together a good performance and uh, go out to Vegas to pick up a W. For sure. All right, our next piece of news. We'll go ahead and talk a little bit more football. Isaiah Green May has found a new home in northern Illinois. I think that when you look at the surface of uh, that transfer, makes a ton of sense for him. You thought maybe a you know, group of five type school, maybe he could go somewhere and have success. And northern Illinois is certainly a program that has turned things around of late. Uh, so what did you make of him announcing that decision? Yeah, I mean, it seems like a really good landing spot for him, potential playing time closer to home. He's from Bolingbrook, Illinois, so you're, you're – it's not not a far drive. Family can easily come and see him play. There's the Wisconsin connection with Thomas Hammock. Um, you saw them really make uh, a surprising jump this year mm-hmm. um, after being projected to be last in the MAC. So uh, things seem to be trending there in a in a positive direction. So I think overall, best of luck to him. I just think it's a good matchup for for what he wants to do, and I think that Thomas Hammock is is a great coach. Yeah, he's definitely building something there, so it should be a fun um, you know, program to be a part of for them to, yeah, like you said, to, to be projected in most places, to be one of the you know last teams in their division in the MAC to coming out and winning the, the conference is pretty impressive. Um, building a, a program up from, you know, it's it's not necessarily the easiest place to play. The, con- the conference as a whole, the MAC has kind of been down the last couple of years, so uh, hopefully you know, with them you know, winning this conference, he can go there and, and make an impact for them in his final season see a little bit more playing time, and, and stay healthy and hopefully uh, put together a strong finish to his career at Northern Illinois. All right, our third piece of news, we'll go ahead and talk some volleyball. Absolutely cruised through the first two rounds um, and are headed to the Sweet 16. Uh, not a super big surprise. This volleyball team is just looks like they're on a mission of late. They've been playing really well. This team has constantly been good, but it seems like they're just playing and clicking and, and firing on all cylinders right now. So, what did you make of the Badgers, um, you know, cakewalking through um, the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament? Yeah, it was really dominant effort against Colgate on Friday, Florida Gulf Coast on Saturday. 
you're, you're looking at UCLA coming up this weekend for the Wisconsin volleyball team, um, and then possibly a quick turnaround to either play Baylor or Minnesota, which is, I think, a really exciting potential matchups. Those are all three really good volleyball programs. Wisconsin's going to have their hands full, but hopefully they can take advantage of some of the advantages they have going into this and just the I mean, they've got some just crazy talent um, on that team, and, and it's, it's, I'm really hoping that they can get past Sweet 16 here, take care of business, and then make it to the Final Four because I just think this team has gotten, you know, snake-bitten late in, in the last couple mm-hmm. of years, and I think this is a team that's really talented and, and has some really good senior leaders that could maybe power them through farther than they have in the past. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do in, in these next couple rounds in the Sweet 16 and hopefully beyond that because, like you mentioned, this team has, has gotten to you know some pretty far points in this NCAA tournament. I know everyone's kind of hoping that this is the year. Um, it certainly seems like it's possible that this could be the year that they get over the hump, but until you, you don't want to jinx it, you don't want to talk too much about it and, until you see it, but right now... You know, it's hard to it's hard to really critique. They're playing great volleyball, and I'm uh, excited to see what they can do um, in these next couple rounds because the competition, you know, you talk about Colgate, Florida Gulf Coast, now all of a sudden it ratches up. Now I still think Wisconsin, of those four, um, is, you know, the best team in that group, but it's certainly you've got to win those games. You've got to continue to prove that. So it should be an exciting weekend of volleyball once again. All right, before we get into – the uh, basketball talk with Marquette. We've got to give a shout-out to one of our listeners, Kendrick Stumbrist. I hope I said your last name right. Um, made it to three Wisconsin athletics contests, including that Marquette game, the women's hockey game against Minnesota, and the volleyball game against Florida Gulf Coast. And as a reward, he asked for a shout-out on this podcast. So anytime we've got a listener that uh, does something as incredible as that, what a feat uh, to get to all three of those. A busy Saturday for sure. Um, so shout out to you, Kendrick, and thank you as always for listening. That's a that's a full day. I hope you had uh, some coffee or some energy because you were at it uh, for you know for 11:30 of that Marquette game to late uh, Saturday night with the volleyball game. But that's uh that's a nice day in Madison for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a that's an impressive list and quite the day. That is that is a long day to to get through. But you saw some really good games in the in the in that time frame. Absolutely. So Kendrick, thank you for listening. We really do uh, appreciate everyone. Um, and I uh, appreciate seeing Badger fans getting out and supporting each of their squads. All right, one of those games that he attended was that Marquette basketball game against Wisconsin, which was uh, quite a fun one. Uh, of course, it's in-state rivalry. It always has some some hype around it, but Wisconsin came out, and once again, I mean, the storyline is, is to start is, is probably Johnny Davis. Brad Davison had a really great game, but, but Johnny Davis was uh, just on another level. Um, continuing to dominate. So what did you make of, of this game overall as the Badgers picked up another big, you know, resume-building victory uh, against a strong in-state opponent? Yeah, I mean, the Badgers played extremely well. That was that was just probably their best game so far this year. You look at how Houston's been playing, that, would, that might end up being their resume win uh, when you look at it down the stretch. But at the same time right now, the, the ability to come in, and take down uh, a Golden Eagle team who is really going to come into this wanting those bragging rights as well. Played really hard. Um, they're they're going through, through some some transitions, so I don't know how great Marquette's going to be come season end. But but for the Badgers to kind of put together an all around performance like they did, make some in game adjustments, which I was really impressed 
pressed by um, to, to kind of alter that game and, and run away, just absolutely run away with it was, was impressive. I thought Jonathan Davis played extremely well. You, you mentioned um, Brad Davison. He continues to shoot the ball really well and, and putting, and he's putting together an, a uh, very good senior year so far. So I, th- I think you're, you're continuing to see that Johnny Davis is just a completely different player and somebody that Badger fans and myself included, you included, are absolutely loving because he just he brings a different level that the Badgers haven't had in quite some time, uh, specifically in his ability to just create his own shot and, mm-hmm. and get to the rim. You look back and Ethan Happ had that ability, but then he also couldn't make free throws. Johnny Davis has that ability. He has the outside shot. He can get and make free throws as well. So he's just an all-around uh, tremendous player that I think um, is is a very good talent. But but I think beyond that, looking at this team, there's there's still question marks. But their ability to go ahead and and win close games that are low scoring, but then turn around and beat Marquette in you know. For Wisconsin standards, it's kind of a shootout, right? They dropped 89 points, which you don't necessarily normally see from the Badgers against the Marquette team that scored 76. That Those are higher numbers than what you normally see from the Badgers. But overall, great game. Wisconsin shot lights out in that second half and did a lot better job on defense in the second half as well, which was really impressive. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, you know Johnny Davis being able to create his own shot because that was the thing that really has stood out to me really all season long. It's not like it was just this game, but I, I mean I'm thinking of that corner step back, um, you know jumper that he hit, and, and he's also shot the ball really well from deep. Which you know last year we talked about him as more of a slasher, a guy to get to the could get to the rim, but maybe uh, the jump shot. He, he certainly had a jump shot but it wasn't maybe as consistent as what it's been so far this year. And from now, he's you know really hitting from even deeper range. So he's been incredibly impressive. But, you know, like you mentioned, Brad Davison continues. That's this is what they need is shooting. Um, that's a, an area that they struggled mightily in at times last year with unable to connect uh, from deep. But they shot a lot of threes. This team is right now, um, you know, not not necessarily taking as many as what it seemed last year, um, but they're certainly pouring, it, pouring them in at a much higher clip and it's been a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you talk about those two and Davis and Davison. Um, those are the guys that you know, led the team, of course, and, and the two leading scorers. But guys like Hepburn and Crowell, um, you know, it, well, maybe we'll talk about the bench a little bit. They didn't go super deep once again. So the, a lot of the the main few guys were putting in points. But overall, everybody kind of uh, played a pretty good game. There's some things that you certainly want to see improve on, which we'll talk about. But for the most part, this team continues to come out and, and play with a lot of energy play really well, and uh, withstand the, the tests that are in front of them. So I think each each game we see them perform better, and we look forward to the next game and say, okay, we're excited to see what they can do, and certainly we'll be excited to see what they can do against Indiana. But right now, this team seems to be doing everything that they're that has been asked of them, and it's been a lot of fun to watch to start the season. And uh, once again, I know we sound like a broken record, but at least I and, and most people that we've talked to and follow basketball did not expect this type of start. And, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, now they're a team that's you know, crawled into the rankings and uh, much more competitive and really a joy to watch uh, every time they, they take the court so far. Yeah, and they're, they're still having scoring droughts. Like, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not all of a sudden gone away. But I thought this was a huge game for um, Chucky Hepburn as well as Stephen Crowell. I thought both of them had really awesome performances, Hepburn specifically, with, with being able to distribute. He was – he was very active on offense. He, he shot the ball well, um, uh, supported 15 points, 
two of four from three, which I think is a nice jump for him. But then more importantly, in my eyes, as as the point guard, he he cut down some of the turnovers and distributed the ball well. Six assists, uh, helped the team out in a lot of ways. He was he was really strong with the ball around the rim later in the game. And really, you look at Wisconsin's backcourt right now, and they have a really good three-headed monster um, kind of forming there. And uh, in talking with Shaka Smart after the game in the interview, he, he brought up the fact that you look at the way that those three complement each other. When I'm, I'm talking about Jonathan Davis, Brad Davison, as well as Chucky Hepburn, Hepburn being the bulldog defender who can also create on offense. You've got Davis, an absolute um, – guy who just can take over, and then Brad Davison, who's who's your 3 and D guy. Uh, and really, that, that's a really nice setup, a nice roster built by by uh, by um, Greg Gard, and, and hopefully that continues. But then Stephen Crowell, a guy who has struggled the past couple games to really get going on offense, poured in 15 points, grabbed eight boards. He, he looked a lot better, and um, you notice that as the on-ball def- defense got better from Hepburn and others, he was able to to help out and on the defensive end a little bit more and protect the rim better because Wisconsin was getting abused um, for a while there, specifically from off the bench by Marquette because Wisconsin was struggling with with uh, their switches and Marquette was able to take the ball inside and, and you know take advantage of that. So I thought Crowell Hepburn really nice games to kind of help this team out as well. And and you look at it, four guys in double figures, all four over 15 points. That's a that's a really nice recipe for this team. I doubt that continues every game, game in and game out. You're gonna have guys take a step back, but but really I, I thought that was nice, especially with Tyler Wall not necessarily being able to put up as much points um in the interior against Marquette's length. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was huge in terms of, you know, being able to play through a couple different guys. I think you've got that, you know, the guys that you're going to play through at the top with with Davis and Davison, but you also are going to need some contribution from you know the the guys around them, especially when you're not going super deep on the bench. So to see you know good performances from Hepburn and Crowell is a huge plus because those are the guys that you didn't necessarily worry about. You think they were ready for to take on the roles that they're taking on, but they're still young players. A big in-state rivalry game. You didn't know you know how they performed, but they stepped up and you know if you get even you know, you know you don't have to necessarily get 15 points from both of them every night you're not going to but if you can get some sort of performance especially the way they played you know you know Hepper and defensively I know Crowell at, at points really struggled um, on the interior in terms of the you know on the defensive end but if you can take that type of performance from them you granted you're not going to get 25 and 20 from the other two every single time out but at least that's something that you can feel comfortable um, with their contributions every night so I think right now they're building a, a solid foundation for this team to move forward, and uh, it's going to be exciting to watch they continue. I mean, I know that, like we mentioned, there's things that they need to get better at. You mentioned the interior um, defense, which was a little bit of a struggle. The scoring droughts are – that's just kind of a Wisconsin basketball staple. But uh, for the most part, this team is, is doing, um, you know, really, you know, they've done everything they've asked to do, and uh, hopefully that continues on Wednesday evening. Uh, when they take on their first uh, uh, Big Ten contest in Indiana. Yeah, you've got two good teams that you're going to be taking on here. And Indiana, you know, I don't know how good I would consider them just based off of the fact that they just had that sicko multiple overtime <laughs> game against Syracuse um, over the weekend. But you look at this, and I think the big question for both of these games, you've got Indiana at home on Wednesday, and then on Saturday you're at Ohio State, which I think is going to be a very tough game, tough atmosphere. Um, but I think the big question is, 
who else can help them off, off the bench? We, mm-hmm. we didn't see much contribution there, uh, much help by anybody. You had Vogt with one point. Um, you had Carlson with two points, Neath one point, and, and Lauren Bowman with five. That, that's it. Like, that was, that was it. You only had Lauren Bowman as your only guy off the bench playing more than ten minutes. Um, I, I think you see right now the backcourt is farther along than the frontcourt, like I mentioned earlier. But I think Lauren Bowman is probably your sixth, sixth man right now. Um, he's got to cut down on some of the turnovers. He had three in the game. But he's had a consistent outside shot. He's been able to help them out. He can play the two or the three, give them some versatility there. So I, I think when you're looking at this right now, you're looking for a big to step up and be able to help you out. Vogue appears to be just your energizer bunny off the bench, gives you some spotty minutes to, to help out um, Crowell when, when needed. Um, but, but man, you would really like another guy, whether it be Gilmore, whether it be um, Jordan Davis, who saw some minutes in this mm-hmm. game early but then had a turnover, um, and, or a guy like um, a guy like Jacoby Neath even maybe help you out. But, but I think Ben Carlson is the guy that you keep hoping for is going to make this, the next step and help them out because they need another um, wing or post to kind of step up and be a contributor and give them more than four minutes. Like they, they're going to need that because otherwise you're, you're really relying on your starters a lot, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on them. It increases the chances of injury, of guys just getting fatigued when you get into later uh, games. So hopefully this defense can continue to come along because I think that right now is still the biggest question for this team going forward. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the the bench minutes is something that I think a lot of people, if you're if you're following Wisconsin basketball closely, will will be something to keep an eye on. You know, in the future here, it's certainly something that we've been you know, we've talked about it twice now over the last couple of games. Um, you know, there's there's certain guys like I think like you mentioned, Chris Vote. I think he's kind of playing to his role. I don't think you want to expect much more than for him to come in and give you something off the bench. He's not going to be a guy that you want consistently out there. And when they brought him in, you know, we talked about it when he first announced he was transferring. He's a guy that's going to, you know, just give you size and give you minutes. He's not going to consistently be a, you know, scoring threat. He's going to come out and play defense and and give you that spark. So, you, yeah, the the Gilmore's, Jacoby needs maybe with him working back from injury. We'll see, Um, you know, of course, uh, you've got guys that are certainly – we're in the rotation really, really early, and it's kind of tightened up now. So we'll see how that kind of spans – back out which guys can prove something but I, I think when you're out there you've, you've got to take advantage of it and, and make sure you're not making mistakes because mistakes will certainly uh, bring you off the bench I know we've talked about it with Greg Garden you know back in the day with Bo Ryan if, you, if you're in there and you turn the ball over you know, maybe guys are afraid to make a mistake but if you do you, you might get yanked right back out and something especially in these tight games I mean they haven't necessarily played um, a ton of these non-conference games where you can work some other guys in for minutes when you've got a big lead so That'll be interesting to watch because now all of a sudden you jump into the two tough Big Ten games and then you you got some other games you know down the road. But uh, right now you've played a really tough gauntlet and the the rotation has been tighter and how that expands um, and where it kind of expands to and which guys maybe can give you something more um, will certainly be a thing to to keep an eye on as we move forward here. I think that's one of the big storylines in terms of not necessarily the negative but a storyline to watch for uh, with this team as they get into conference play because it's early the guys have already played a lot of minutes and as you mentioned that can have a certainly a wear and a tear and a effect on on guys that are playing a lot yeah and and this team has has certainly surpassed expectations early here um you know we don't want to get the everything too excited here but at the same time you look at it 
based off the way their schedule sets up, you've you've got a, quite a few winnable games heading into you know the stretch run in January. You look at you mentioned Indiana. Ohio State here coming up, but then after that, Nichols State, Morgan State, Illinois State, those are all teams at the Kohl Center that you should beat. Now it's a matter of can you at least split Indiana-Ohio State? I mean, ideally you win both, but if you can at least split those two games, you're sitting in a really good situation early in the, early in the year here to, to make a run not only in, in the conference but also just for build, bolstering your NCAA resume um, for the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I think that those three games will be something that uh, everyone will be looking forward to because Greg Gard can kind of you know, start to piece together some of those other players and maybe expand that bench out a little bit and also you know just get guys ready for what will be an interesting um, you know, start back up to the Big Ten, of course, and on January 3rd, uh, traveling to Purdue and the the House of Horrors that is their their arena that way. So overall, it's it's been a good start for the Wisconsin basketball team. Really excited excited to see what they can do um, against Indiana Wednesday and of course uh, Ohio State on the road on Saturday. All right, that wraps up the basketball discussion, guys. Why don't we go ahead? We'll get our ad reads out of the way and then we'll get into our football conversation in regards to some coaching changes that we may hope to see as we move forward. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com all right, so football, of course, the regular season, the conference championship has wrapped up. So now you're going to start seeing, we've already seen it, the coaching carousel really take off and a lot of changes across college football um, are taking place. You know, as we speak, there's coaching changes and, you know, most of it right now is at the head coach level. But as some of that settles, assistant coaches, things will be moving around for sure. And while Wisconsin, you know, I don't think you're ever, you're not going to see any sort of change at the top. Paul Chris is very secure in his job, and uh, I think you've got, you know, a solid foundation with Jim Leonard, of course. But there certainly could be other changes in the works in other areas. So we'll talk about that now that we're kind of into not off-season mode, but we've got a pretty significant gap here before the bowl game where we can talk about some of that other stuff. And next week will be a lot of recruiting stuff. So I think this is the perfect time to work this conversation in. So Matt. In terms of coaching changes and maybe tinkering and movement around, what do you think is maybe priority number one in terms of some adjustments that uh, this coaching staff might need to make or what you think they uh, they may need to make? I think the first thing, and just looking at big picture, is, is you look at the staff, and there was a lot of changes going in from 2020 to 2021. Um, mm-hmm. You had Settle leaving. You had Gary Brown coming in. You 
You had um, Bechter, Brechterfield leaving. You had Kalaji sw- shifting to defensive line. You had Bud Meyer out. You brought in Poteet to cornerbacks coach. You had Khalif, um, the entire recruiting staff with Jensen Jebhart, Mike Karens, Mackenzie Zana, all of them leaving. Um, and, and you had a, uh, and a promotion within for the strength department. So you had a lot of changes, right? Like, So I think hopefully get everybody kind of grounded and hopefully on the same page to help out. Find a new recruiting staff that's built out beyond just Eric Johnson. Um, I know that uh, this this team is going to need a recruiting staff. They're probably waiting until after um, early signing day to kind of go ahead and make those adjustments. But I think rounding out your recruiting staff, and then beyond that, dude, Paul Christ is doing too much. Like, you can't be the head coach, quarterback's coach, and offensive coordinator. That's just silly. Like, I know that he's a, a very smart person. He he wants to be able to do a lot of different things. I know that they have analysts that are able to help them out in practice. It's not just Paul Chris doing that. But at the same time, I think you need to adjust his workload to make it so that the offensive staff is more even with what you have defensively and and really try to figure out a balance there. Because the offense was just bad this year for large chunks of it and when it wasn't just Braylon Allen running through things and creating the show. So Wisconsin needs to adjust things on the offensive side, and I think it starts with Paul Christ bringing somebody in, adjusting things on the offensive staff so he isn't just going ahead and taking over basically three of the biggest jobs on the entire team all in one you know role. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I don't know if necessarily everybody thinks of it and looks at it that way, but it is. I mean, that's almost that's a, a huge phase of your game, and you're also coaching, you know, the entire team. And while you're doing that, you've also got to worry about the the ins and outs of making sure, you know, things with your quarterback and, and like all sorts of things. Like I know we think of like plays and game plans and the overall big picture, but and that's what Paul Christ, you know, that's his job to do and work on with his coordinators and his coaches, but. As a quarterback's coach, too, you've also got to make sure you're looking at, like, fundamentals and footwork and, and coverage reads and all this stuff. I think that is a lot to ask. And I know maybe with all the changes that you mentioned, you know, this past offseason, I think right, I think with this past year, it was kind of that was the way to solve their problems for at least a year, maybe put, like, a Band-Aid on it and try and patch it. But now that you've gotten to this offseason – um, you know, quote unquote. I keep saying off season, and I know it's not, but it's it's that significant gap where you can at least take a breather. Now you're not just you know working week to week on trying to figure out your game plan. You can start to figure out some of these big picture decisions with what'll be the recruiting staff. And I totally agree with you. Some sort of change on that front. What it'll be. I mean, I think right now you're seeing more college football head coaches being more that CEO role and delegating um, a lot to, you know, their coordinators and position coaches at Wisconsin. That's that's not the case right now. You've got, like you mentioned, a lot on Paul Chris' plate. So whether it, you know, changing things around, bringing someone else in, something, some sort of thing offensively needs to happen. Uh, I think defensively you've got to, a lot of the things you have in place you're, you're happy with, and it's just more of so improvement and execution in very small areas. But offensively, I do think there needs to be some some overhaul to balance it out more, take some um, things off of people's plates, because right now it does seem like there's a lot on a couple specific areas, and, and that clearly made a strain um, in certain aspects of Wisconsin's offense. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that when you make – changes it can have a huge impact look at look at Baylor and look at Michigan who last offseason 
overhauled some things on on their coaching staff. Dave Aranda, after one year with the, with the different offensive coordinators, said, screw it, cut the guy, brought in a different guy because he said it wasn't good enough. They win the Big 12. Mm-hmm. You look at Michigan, they made huge changes along their offensive line. They brought in a different defensive coordinator. They win the Big 10 and, and look like a completely different team than we've seen the past few years under Jim Harbaugh. Um, those are the types of things that you sometimes have to do, and it might mean – cutting ties with somebody that you're really tight with in order to make it because it's in the best interest of the program. So I think that there's going to be some tough decisions here. Nothing's going to happen until after the early signing period. Um, usually staff changes will, will kind of happen um, more organically, maybe around January is what I would expect. A lot of them to kind of, if there's going to be things, it's going to happen maybe around then. But Tyler, what do you think? Like, if, if you're looking at it, you get to choose whatever. You're Paul Christ. You get to make the decisions here of what should happen, what needs to change for the team. What are you going to do? You know, I think when you, I think you'd certainly need to do that delegation of, you know, some sort of role on the offensive side. I'm not saying you have to bring in, you know, a brand-new quarterback coach, a brand-new offensive coordinator, all that. I do think if you're going to look at one of them, an offensive coordinator that maybe brings some fresh – I, I think a lot of this year we saw, you know, when there was success, like you mentioned, it was Braylon Allen running through guys. I mean, without him, I think we could have seen, you know, if he didn't ever get breakthrough and get that chance, I think we could have seen the same kind of struggling offense that we saw early in the season, kind of all season long. So I think they need to, I know Wisconsin's notorious for going out and, and getting guys with ties to the program or have been with a certain guy and they, and they vet them consistently. And that's fine, but I do think they need to address it in an offensive coordinator maybe with some sort of fresh ideas, moving the offense. You know, you have your principles of what you want to do. You want to run the football. You want to be under center. You want to establish to run and throw off that. That's fine. But maybe some added wrinkles, some creativity, some, you know, modernness to an offense and, and bringing that in from, you know, and having that outside perspective I think would be really important uh, to do. So, I don't want to sit here and say that I, I think guys, any certain guy should lose their job. Maybe there might be some conversation that we'll have in terms of a different area of the game that might need to improve. But I do think some fresh, outside, innovative ideas outside of just the Wisconsin, you know, ground and pound attack is is imperative. And I think the only way you do that is with bringing in um, some sort of offensive coordinator. So I think if you adjust Paul Chris and put him back to that CEO role and allow someone else in that he can work with to – kind of manage that, uh, I think that's the area that I would look to, um, just trying to bring someone in that can kind of revitalize and uh, you know, bring some modernity to uh, what has been a just kind of a stale offense the last couple of years, not just this year. I mean, I know the COVID year was a struggle, but the offense was a little bit stale there, and uh, they made those changes this offseason, but it seems like they're still kind of there, and um, I, I think uh, – a little bit of an overhaul there would, would certainly be something that would set them up well in the future, hopefully. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be changes that need to be made. I think the – like looking at this, thinking through, okay, Paul Christ is an offensive-minded head coach. He's probably not going to relinquish too much control on that offensive side. He's got to feel really comfortable with where Jim Leonard's at defensively over there. Um, like maybe – Maybe you see, I know Jim Tolzien had put out an article and he had referenced maybe a guy like Scott Tolzien comes back um, and and has a role um, as an offense coordinator or someone to help out, somebody who has the ability to do offense coordinator slash quarterback coach. 
Um, but but then you have another spot that's going to have to lose a job, right? Like mm-hmm. you only have so many staff members. So like I I've got like a couple different scenarios that I can think through. Like the the basic one is if we're if Paul Christ wants to make subtle changes, there's a couple things he could do. But then there's also it, portions of me that are thinking blow portions of it up and mm-hmm. and try to really drastically shift things because you need to make adjustments that are going to um, push this team to a better place. Um, so I think, I think, I think it's going to come down to, do you think Paul Christ is willing to make big changes or do you, cause like, I don't think the Badgers have necessarily fired anybody. We don't know if Brechterfield was maybe pushed out, for example. Um, but I think every other coach who's left is probably because they had other opportunities. So Looking at this, do you think that Paul Christ would make the change to br- even bring in an offensive coordinator? I think that's that's some of like what I worry about as well, though. Yeah, I think that's part of the the struggles or the concerns or the worries that you have. And I don't know if it's it's maybe you just have to see the writing on the wall and say, okay, you know, do we make it a subtle change? And have we done that in the past and has it worked? Mm, I mean. I think that's an argument that you could make that you know certain times work, but overall the last couple of years it really hasn't. So maybe you have to um, try and blow that up. But I think there's probably some hesitancy there um, as well. So that's kind of the, the power struggle and the balancing of you know who who you can go to and, and making those tough decisions. I don't want to say Paul Chris doesn't like to make those, but nobody likes to fire somebody or let somebody go. But I think if you want to look around college football and, and see where you're at in terms of the pecking order and where things are running, some of those big, you know, blow it up type changes might need to be necessary, but it also is going to take, take some guys, um, you know, some tough conversations and some guys looking in the mirror and, and, you know, making those tough calls. I mean, but that's what you get paid to do. You know, that's, you get paid to make the, the big bucks and, uh, or to make those big decisions. And uh, I'm sure they're not fun, but uh, I think those might be some necessary changes. And that's maybe an interesting thing to, to ponder and see what happens in terms of this football off season. In all honesty, what I think is going to happen based off of what we saw here recently with John Bud Meyer mm-hmm. um, being let go as part of that Colorado State staff as Steve Adazio got fired, I think they're going to bring him back in That's some what I was way. Just thinking, yeah. yeah, like I just think <laughs> Paul Chris loves that dude. Like mm-hmm. he, he was a guy that the only reason that they had a quarterback's coach for a long time is because Paul respected him for so long. I think – that's not necessarily enough, and it might not be, but it, it could be, you know, but it might not be enough. But at the same time, I think I think that Paul Chris is going to do that, bring him back in, um, whether that means that a guy like Hank Poteet, who in looking through the directory, he only made $79,000 last year. Hmm. That's, like, absurd. I know that they also get, like, funneled money through, through other sources than just straight up through the university, but that is a really low number when you consider that – even a guy like Eric Johnson, who's on the support staff team, is 150000 And then you look at a guy like um, Jim Leonard, over a million. Chris Herring, 400000 down from 500000 in 2020. Um, and, and Bobby April, over 400000 So I think that's an interesting aspect. Is, is Poteet a long-term answer that they want, are going to keep there? Or is, or is maybe that one where Paul says, hey, our defense is already good. We need to reestablish offense and bring that in. Uh, there's always the Chris Herring conversation that we're going to have to make or have. Um, but I, I just think that there's – Paul Chris is going to find a way 
to bring him back, I think, because he's going to need to make a change. He's going to go with somebody who he trusts, and that's what I think is going to happen. I would personally probably do more than that um, to make some changes, but at the same time, I think that's the starting point for what he's going to do if I had to guess. Yeah, I think that's a very realistic expectation. So, you know, when he got let go, that was immediately the, the Twitter rumors. Or when, I'm sorry, when Steve Adazio got let go at Colorado State, that was immediately the, the rumors kind of started to, you know, people went to Twitter and said, hey, hey, bring him back, bring him back. And that's certainly, you know, he was a, a, a very good quarterback coach at Wisconsin. You know, he very very well respected. I know when he left, it was certainly something where we you look at Wisconsin, hey, man, they got to bounce back um, and, and figure that out because he was a, a big piece of that offense. So in terms of, I think it makes sense for both parties if you were to. Uh, I don't know if it's maybe the splash move that fans are, are looking for, but it is a change that you can make. It's a guy that you've vetted and trusted you can work with, and you can kind of balance a little bit more of that load because I know he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Colorado State. Colorado State didn't necessarily have a best year of offense, but I think you can piece together a, a combo of, of Chris and maybe Bud Meyer kind of balancing that load a little bit more evenly offensively. Um, and I don't think there'd be too much of a power struggle between the two, knowing that they've you know, worked together in the past. So I don't necessarily know if it's the big splash move that everybody's wanting to have, but I think in terms of what's a realistic possible expectation based on what we know about Paul Chris and the rest of the coaching staff, I think that makes a, a ton of sense and um, could very well be a, a likely happening uh, for the Badgers down the road. Yeah, I just think I think that makes a ton of sense for the Badgers. Um, I, I think the big thing is you, in order to make a move like that, you need somebody needs to go or shift roles outside of um, things. I have a hard time seeing Chris Herring, a guy who makes over four hundred thousand, shifting down to be your recruiting coordinator, which Saeed Cleef made just over a hundred grand a year, according to the um, UW database, which, like I said, some of those numbers, it's probably a bit higher. But at the same time, you look at how much other people made, and it's pretty accurate. Um, for example, Joe Rudolph, 700000 this past year, was over 800000 back in 2020. So I think that um, Chris Herring is a guy that, based off of that blunder, we've seen some you know, crummy special teams play in the past few years. Maybe he's a guy who's who Paul Christ has to have a tough conversation with. Um, you know, I doubt it happens because Herring is a well-respected coach who Paul Christ loves. He's brought him everywhere he goes, uh, and he he runs the in-state recruiting operations. Although I would argue that Jim Leonard could easily do that as a guy who's from the mm-hmm. state um, and who has you know plenty of connections, plenty of clout in the state. To, to easily pick that up. But I think that Herring would be a guy that you have to look at. Um, I can't imagine that Paul Christ loved the look of standing in front of the media and having to take the blame for that special teams blunder at the, uh, in the Minnesota game when he then said it was, you know, a different coach who called them out there and he pulled them back and, and had to call a timeout. So I don't think that that's necessarily anything uh, anybody who's in a power position wants to have happen is is have to you know stand up there and take those shots, but you know I I I think that that's a, a logical spot as well. I only brought up Poteet because he doesn't get paid as much. It's his first year in there. Jim Leonard has had experience doing the cornerbacks. I think that it probably is. He's a coach you probably want to have stick around though. I I thought it was of a position that you wanted a coach at because cornerbacks are so important given how much passing goes on in college football. 
but you never know. I, I think that's the thing is, is Paul Chris could go a number of different ways. Um, and, but I do think it's going to be a more subtle change like, like that, where it'd be one staff member leave, one come in. But, um, if, if you had, if you were going to go ahead and, and make the, sh- the shifts, would you have more than that? I mean, I think if, if you want to make a, a bigger splash, I think that's something, I mean, it's hard to, like you mentioned, you can't just, it's not like a, you know, a situation where you can just add everything you want to add. So you've got to subtract at some point. You know, it's not unlimited number of, of coach, and like you mentioned, the analysis uh, portion of it is, is somewhat helpful, but also you need guys in established roles. So that's the part where if you have to manage the subtractions and the additions, that's where maybe it gets a little complicated. I personally think, you could do more. I think the offense is the, the big overhaul. I mean, you mentioned Chris Herring with special teams, but also that impacts the recruiting side of it, and you're already trying to build that back up. So those are going to be the, the top decisions to have. But will it be a you know a big move that I think fans will, will really get excited about? I don't think that's going to come, right, uh, just based on what we've seen in the past. You know, they're reluctant to let guys go. Generally, like you mentioned earlier, if they do leave, it's you know taking a different job. So – uh, I think you could certainly do more to overhaul it. I think Wisconsin's a little bit behind the times offensively, but will they actually do it is is, is doubtful. I think they'll make the changes they feel necessary enough um, to give them a, a spark and a change, but I don't think it'll be that big uh, boom change that maybe uh, maybe I think is personally needed. But we're not paying we're not paid enough uh, to make those decisions, unfortunately. Definitely not. But like, <laughs> let's let's play it out. Let's mm-hmm. let's try to figure out what are some moves that could be like. Because for me, I think Paul Christ he likes to go with his guys. Like he yep. wants people that he has can vet. You, you look at Gary Brown, Elvis Witted; those are guys that he kind of pulled in, but he had vetted from other people that had known them well um, and could speak highly of them. So, looking at other changes that could be made, I don't think Joe Rudolph is going anywhere. Joe Rudolph is a guy who played for the Badgers, has been with um, Paul Chris for a long time. But you also look at it, he had a demotion from offensive coordinator last year, now down to offensive line coach and associate head coach. He's going to have that associate head coach title no matter what. But you look at what he was previous previously to coming back with Wisconsin, he was a tight ends coach for like the longest time. Um, and a really good tight ends coach as well. Maybe Paul Christ could say, okay, I'm going to move him to tight ends coach. I'm going to go ahead and Mickey Turner, who a guy who had experience as a player development coach back at um, Pittsburgh, could be could take over for that Saeed Khalif role. Mickey Turner is a really good recruiter. Joe mm-hmm. Rudolph's a really good recruiter too, so you want him on your staff no matter what. I think I don't see them getting rid of Rudolph. He's too good of a coach. But the offensive line has struggled here recently. Do they make a shift where Rudolph takes over tight ends? He still keeps his title as associate head coach. He's still making a good chunk of change. Um, that, but but then you look at a guy like Mickey Turner who's making in the mid 200s, 200,000 according to the database. I think you can pay an, uh, your recruiting coordinator um, that amount like and, and justify it um, easily. And he's a guy who has experience there. So maybe you could swing that with because you're not getting rid of anybody there. And then domino effect, you need an offensive line coach. And normally you could look at a guy like Al Johnson, who was on the staff, played for the Badgers, played in the NFL. Um, he's the Eastern Central um, uh, University head coach. I doubt they go there. Instead, I would guess 
it would probably be Bostad, mm-hmm. um, in which you move him from linebacker to offensive line coach. He's had tremendous success there. You probably don't want to do that move most of the time because the linebacker room is just full of studs right now. But then, but Tim Tibisar is out there, a guy who you've had experience with, has coached linebackers, a former defensive coordinator. You know, you vet, you know all these things because he just got let go at, as Oregon State's um, defensive coordinator. Do you bring him back and, and make that all kind of work? Like, I think that that's a, that's a move that could possibly um, happen as well, in which case then – because I just don't see Paul Chris giving up offensive coordinator. I just don't see that happening. But I do think that those are the a couple moves like that could make a difference. I doubt it happens because that's a lot of moving pieces. But um, but that's like that's a one possible way to really blow things up while also still keeping um, Paul Chris guys right, like and 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 like logically tying things together in a way that could make sense um, to to possibly throw a spark in this team. Yeah, I think those changes would be realistic changes that you could I think fans, you know, if you if you get really deep into, you know, those position type coaches, I think you could sign up for that and say, okay, I think those are necessary changes and and ways you could work it. You know, the Mickey Turner as, you know, a recruiting type of guy would be excellent if you ever I know you've talked to him before and if you've ever heard him speak, he's very um, he, he just kinda has that uh, very personable aspect of him where he could be, I think, great in that position. Um, moving the other guys around in terms of surface, and I think it makes a ton of sense. I don't necessarily see. I think the Bud Meyer possibility is probably the most realistic one offensively. Like I don't think they're going to go out and necessarily nab some big name offensive coordinator. You know, it's not going to be like Penn State going to get Mike Yurcich in, in that situation and bring in some all you know changing ideas. I think maybe more realistically, like you mentioned with Scott Tolzien, a guy that has familiarity with Wisconsin, but also familiarity at that NFL level can bring in some new wrinkles. It's got spent a lot of time at the in in the pro world there. So that might make some sense and maybe could help you with quarterbacks as well there too. So um I think move, something moving some of those things will around unless you see, you know, Wisconsin, you know, unless like a I don't see Joe Rudolph going anywhere either. I, I think he's great in terms of the recruiting side of it and that sometimes gets forgotten about unless maybe he's in a situation where someone comes and tries to pick him off as a head coach. But a lot of the lower-level jobs that are opening are, are getting filled up pretty quick with some pretty big-name guys. So I don't see that happening either. So I think the moves that you made out, I certainly could see a couple of those tinkerings trying to make some changes for the better, get guys in the best position possible to move forward and, and really make an impact but also not change things up, you know, Full scale, because like you mentioned, I just don't see um, those full scale changes that maybe fans feel are necessary um, to happen the way that they're they're maybe wanting it to. Yeah, and and that's the thing is I don't see much of any of that happening. Like I think it's going to be if they make a move, it would be Bud Meyer coming back, maybe Tolzien. Like if 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 really Paul feels like Bud Meyer wouldn't be enough to make a difference and he needs to try something different, but. I just I don't think those moves will happen. I was just throwing them out there as things that like that would be a lot of moving pieces, but it also would help kind of the recruiting area. It would help um, possibly change some things along the offensive line, which I know um, many people feel is the, the biggest issue right mm-hmm. now. Um, but but I, I agree with you. I think the biggest thing is just there needs to be a, a, a shot of energy and change in this offense, some reworkingness to bring it into 
um, modern modern times, a little modernization would would be nice. But but I just I just think that Paul Christ, as an offensive minded head coach, isn't going to relinquish as much control as he normally has over it. And and so Wisconsin has won a ton of games with this recipe for so many years, and it keeps them in many games. Um, each year, but it also does cap them against some of the best teams yeah. who have um, some some players. I, I think just as important as coaching changes is going to be some of the adjustments that they need to make in recruiting and other things. They need to go and get try to go get a wide receiver from the transfer portal to help them out. Um, wide receivers are literally have taken over outside of quarterbacks as as one of the top positions in college football and in the NFL. You see that with the number of wide receivers being drafted in the first round of NFL drafts. Um, Wisconsin needs some help there, which will help the quarterback position. There needs to be you know improved quarterback recruiting, all sorts of things that need to happen. But I do think that there will be some changes in the coaching staff. I just think the Paul Christ is going to have to. I think he's going to look at this and say, hey, something's got to be done here because it didn't work. Let's make an adjustment. And, and that's just something that good companies, good organizations, they do. Hopefully Wisconsin does the same. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great way to put it. You know, do it before, you're, before your back's against the wall and you, you're, you know, it's all of a sudden a, a very big necessity versus something that you see as a change you could make to improve uh, the overall performance of your organization. All right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that uh, kind of hypothetical conversation about some things that we will maybe hope to happen. I don't know if we could say who we think will happen because, like we mentioned, I don't, I don't know if we necessarily see those changes, but something will likely come down the pipe, and we'll certainly talk about it and, and talk about the impact when we do. All right, guys, that wraps up our portion or our portion of the podcast. We'll be back with you on Thursday. We'll recap uh, the Indiana basketball contest. As always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin.